Well, Josh is out sick again, so Tammy Jeep Mama graciously steps in to help out. We talk about fire extinguishers, kitty litter, and jumping out of three-story windows. In This Week in Jeep, I talk about the 2017 Jeep Wrangler keeping the solid front and rear axles. I know that's a relief for many of us. And some great quick Jeep tips from Steve, 4.3 LXJ. In Tammy's Wrangler Talk segment, she talks about Wrangler models and how Rubicon's many off-road amenities may not be the best model for every future Jeep owner. All this and more on the next XJ Talk Show. The XJ Talk Show is for entertainment purposes only. Any advice or information provided on this show should be verified by alternative sources prior to making any changes or modifications to your vehicle. We are not experts, just people that enjoy the Jeep hobby and don't mind talking endlessly about it. P.S. We love you. XJ Talk Show is on the air. Okay, it's a podcast. Oh, you know what I mean. Anyway, here's Tony and Josh. First week in G. Hey folks, it's Jeep Mama here, filling in for Josh. He's a little under the weather today, and I think he's out looking for his voice. So anyway, this week in Jeep, some good news for off-road enthusiasts and the aftermarket. Automotive News has received word... Where the news came from, they won't say, but the next generation Jeep Wrangler will keep its solid front and rear axles. Yay! Rather than making the switch to an independent suspension, Fiat Chrysler has not confirmed this rumor. The current off-roader inherited its solid axle suspension from its predecessors, including the legendary CJ Jeeps. Although old-fashioned, the layout makes lifting and modifying the Wrangler relatively easy and cheap compared to its independently sprung off-road competition like the Toyota FJ Cruiser and the Nissan Xterra. A firestorm of worries in the automotive market came after rumors that the Wrangler, due out in 2017, would have an independent front and maybe even rear suspension. For example, the current unibody Jeep Cherokee is very difficult to lift. The company has shown an elevated Cherokee Dakar concept at Jeep events and auto shows, but that kit required a complete redesign of the suspension that would be prohibitively expensive for most consumers. The Wrangler will apparently maintain its rugged suspension, and Jeep still plans to bring the SUV into the 21st century. Weight loss will become the via the aluminum body. Hmm, maybe I should look into the aluminum body. Anyway, it will likely be physically smaller as well, which bodes well for off-road maneuverability. Additionally, one of the off-roader's iconic features, the folding windshield, will likely go away in favor of a raked fixed windshield design. And some more good news from Jeep coming out of Toledo, Ohio. City leaders present an 8 to 9 million figure offer late last month of Fiat Chrysler Fiat Chrysler Auto. FCA has been studying a proposal from Toledo officials to roughly double the size of its cobbled together Jeep Wrangler line here to about 3 million square feet. The proposal, in theory, would raise the annual Wrangler production capacity to an estimated 350,000, almost identical to the unibody Jeep Cherokee build on another Fiat on another line at the FCA's Toledo Assembly Complex. Last year, the plant built 235,904 Wranglers. Wow. The plan will likely address key production cho- choke points that Marchione has identified and enabled the next-generation Wrangler to be built with a lightweight aluminum body. Marchione has said the FCA must soon decide on the production site of the next-generation Wrangler, scheduled to arrive in two years. Marchione's comments last fall that it would be prohibitively expensive to build the aluminum-bodied Wrangler in the Toledo plant set off a flurry of action spurred not so much by the prospect of job losses, but as the city's big pride in in being home of the Wrangler. Toledo officials also hope for new jobs if they can persuade suppliers to locate near the expanded plant. In effect, Toledo has offered a pricely sum to help Marchione achieve what he says he wants to do, keep the Wrangler at its home. As a result, it appears increasingly likely that Wrangler will remain in Toledo for the foreseeable future. There is no evidence that the FCA is negotiating with any other state or municipality, but they declined a comment last week. So, are Toledo taxpayers being played by the industry's consummate dealmaker? 
Local leaders say no. They say that Jeep is the heart of the city's identity and that they and that the Wrangler's consistent sales provide economic stability. They also say that new jobs are likely to come from suppliers moving closer to the plant producing as many as 50% more Wranglers per year. Will it be enough to meet global demand? I guess time will tell. Kelly's Blue Books, KBB.com, has named the 2015 Jeep Patriot and the 2015 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited winners of the five-year cost-to-own awards. For the third consecutive year, the Patriot has been named the winner of the lowest five-year cost-to-own award in the compact SUV crossover category, while the Jeep Wrangler Unlimited has earned the lowest five-year cost-to-own award in the midside SUV crossover segment. Winning these significant, two significant awards from Kelly Blue Book is a tremendous honor and significant achievement for the Jeep brand, and particularly the 2015 Patriot and the Wrangler Unlimited, said Mike Manley, president and CEO of Jeep Brand. The awards reinforce the exceptional value the Jeep vehicle delivers to customers. The 2015 five-year cost-to-own award honors the new vehicles and brands, luxury and non-luxury, with the lowest projected ownership costs based on Kelly Blue Book's five-year cost-owned data for new cars for the initial five-year ownership period. Okay, Tony, I know this has nothing to do with Jeeps, but I just had to share this one. It seems like folks in Boston are getting a little stir-crazy. Not crazy, but a little stir-crazy. And who can blame them after the four huge snowstorms they've had this winter? Things are getting so bad in Boston that Mayor Marty Walsh has forced forced to deliver some warnings, specifically some warnings to the knuckleheads who have been jumping out of their windows and into the snow. No, not those college frat boys or those casts of those silly TV shows that you see on TV, but regular old citizens of Boston. Walsh said on Monday to the Boston Herald, I am asking people to stop this nonsense right now. These are adults jumping out of windows. It's a foolish thing to do and you could kill yourself. I think what he means was people don't be idiots. To understand all this, remember that Boston has been buried under 96 inches of snow and counting so far just this winter. The city is just a few inches away from an all-time record, a record I don't think anyone really wants. Now, they're used to a lot of snow in Boston, but this winter has brought even the toughest of Bostonians to their knees. Believe it or not, the city could get even more snow this coming week, and as tempting as it sounds to jump out of your window at the prospect of more snow, just don't. You'll only be making things worse. The mayor is asking people to act responsibly in the city of Boston. He said, this is the city of Boston, where we are trying to remove snow off the streets, and it's becoming very dangerous. And the last thing we want to do is respond to an emergency call where somebody has jumped out of a window because they thought it was a funny thing to do. Okay, hey guys, keep up the great work and keep those news tips coming and those stories coming in. Thanks to Ron D. for submitting one of these stories. And if you'd like to submit a story to be aired on This Week in Jeep, or if you have a response to any of our stories, please give us a call or send an email to newschips at xjtalkshow.com. Well, now, Tammy, not to pick on you or this story or Bostonians jumping out of windows into snow or in some cases off of uh, three-story roofs into snow. Um, let me ask you a question. I, I have a kind of a problem anytime government is telling us what we should and shouldn't do. Uh, although I understand the relevance and the uh, potential of uh, emergency, it's tying up emergency personnel that could be best used other places. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there's a there's this seems to be this mindset in uh, with people in the government these days that not only uh, do does the government think they they should tell us how we should think and how we should do things. There seems to be people willing to listen to that crap. So let me, I don't know if you guys get flooding in your area or not, but we, we do in the Houston area from time to time. It's very flat and uh, we, we get too much rain and things start to pond and uh, you, uh, you get two feet of water over a roadway pretty quick. So um, they will, uh, the police that, w- that is, will go and block that off. And even if you roll up in a, in a vehicle, that has over two feet of ground clearance between, you know, the road and the bottom of your vehicle, not, not 
the doors or anything, but the bottom, I mean, completely, it would be completely right. out of the water. They won't let you go through. They, you cannot take the responsibility as an adult to drive through that. They keep you from going through there. Now, if you get there before they put the roadblock up, hell yes. Right. <laughs> I think that I think there's just so many people out there who are just plain old stupid. They're ruining it for the rest of us. Right. And and I guarantee you, if in Houston we had 96 inches of snow, there would be lots of people jumping off lots of right. things <laughs> into the snow. Well, when I was growing up in Minnesota, we used to get climb up on our roof. My dad never knew this. And we would take our sleds off there and slide oh, yeah. down the roof into snowbanks. No one told us not to do it, We, but we did it. Well, as long as you don't break nothing or get anything bloody, okay. I guess you're okay. Now, if, yeah, you know, now the sensible dad person, uh, smart person, if you will, in me, I'm thinking, okay, there's 96 inches of snow. It, it, you know, it's safe. You can jump into that. I'm sure it's, it's, there's, it's mostly air, so it's going to work out fine, and, and it's really funny. It makes a great YouTube video, right? So <laughs> the only problem is, honey, did you put the pitchfork up? yeah <laughs> was, what Yikes. was what was there before that the 96 break. inches of snow uh before that fell right. you know so you can't see what you're jumping into and you hope for the best it's much like jumping into a uh diving into a large body of water without first checking the depth it, it could be a life-changing event right. so right. so so i certainly understand but i i much prefer the government minding their own damn business and letting people adults be adults and take their own responsibility. And that includes getting hurt, killed, uh, whatever. They right. should have health insurance and be able to cover that. So anyway, uh, preachy Tony when it comes to uh, the government and politics. XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tap a Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. Okie dokie. So, um, let's take a here uh, just a quick moment and uh, let you know uh, who, uh, well, this knucklehead is. I'm not going to say Tammy's a knucklehead. I would for Josh, but... Uh, uh, just a, uh, just a couple of knuckleheads, Whoops, wrong thing. Sorry guys. Uh, just a couple of knuckleheads here doing uh, a little radio show, if you will. It's also called a podcast. Uh, my name's uh, Tony. You know me as Mudroy on xjtalk.com, which is uh, the premier Jeep Cherokee website. Actually it's become more of us a general Jeep website. Now, if you're Wrangler specific, like Tammy is, we have a wranglertalk.com site that has the same formula. Uh, as the xjtalk.com site, no no bashing, there's no stupid questions. Uh, what is it they always say? The only stupid question is the one you don't ask. God, I used to hate hearing that. It's it's very true, but uh, you yeah. know, it's just kind of so corny to hear. But uh, that's that's the way we we do things over there on xjtalk.com. And uh, you know, we had so much fun with the with the forum and the 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 going back and forth between us and uh, the the members. Uh, that uh, we started a podcast, and that's what we're doing right here. We're talking about Jeeps here on this podcast. It's called XJ Talk Show because of the site being xjtalk.com. But uh, we uh, obviously are talking a lot uh, about a lot more than just uh, Jeep Cherokees. And, of course, I'm talking about the good one, not the new one. What is the new one? K-L-K-K-M-O-U-S-E? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I know XJ, JK, TJ, YJ, CJ. CJ. Uh, I think that's... LJ. Oh yeah, LJ? there's an LJ because the the longer uh, wheelbase uh, TJs were called LJs, and uh, so uh, we uh, we talk about Jeeps, but we talk about the ones with solid axles, the ones that uh, you can go off road with, and I and I don't mean where they they uh, get towed in for a photo op or a helicopter hoisted in like uh, I think the new Renegade is going to be doing. They're going to be doing with. Uh, I, I know I got to quit bashing these things because there's a lot of people They're that all Jeeps. We well, love all Jeeps. That's the problem I have with it. <laughs> they shouldn't be called Jeeps. They should be called Fiat. <laughs> and, but, but someday it probably won't ever happen. It probably won't happen until I'm dead. 
I should stop bashing these these lesser vehicles that uh, it's just my opinion. If you guys like them, that's fine. Like them. I just wish that the Jeep would focus on being a an off-road vehicle uh, right, right. company and and not um, not being those money grubbing uh, profiteers, <laughs> which of course is the reason to have a business anyway. So yeah, that's, I, that's America, right? I kind of it's a circular argument that I uh, yeah. kind of screw myself in. Anyway, um, so uh, uh, Tammy here, she does she does a blog thing. Tammy, what uh, what's what's the what's up with that? Um, it's www.jeepmama.com, and it just started out as a blog about me and my journey, and um, it turned into my blog about me and my Jeep, which turned into a blog about me and my Jeep modifications and my Jeep off roading and. My Jeep is my new passion, so and I'm learning so much, and it's really, a, it's just a personal journey for me. Well, it sounds like it's been uh, an exciting uh, run so far. Are you getting sick of it yet? No, actually, you know, it's funny because part of my when I first started on my blog, it was about me trying to find my passion, and trying to find your passion, you have, you know, there's certain steps you follow, and and one of the things it says is when you wake up in the morning and you know your passion is something that you look forward to doing. And I look forward to writing my blog. I look forward to it every day, and I'm constantly reading and rewriting. And um, so it's been, it's now my passion. I finally, you know, after, you know, 22 years of living, ha, 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 um, I found my passion. I'm really not 22. (laughs) Just a tad older than that. So, uh you know, I guess, I mean, I understand it's disappointing that you, you don't get up your, you don't know your passion your entire life, but isn't it better than living your entire life and not having one? Right. I think though, my passions just change. Oh, of course. You know, you know, I think it was, you know, television news for a while. Um, and then my, you know, I got pregnant and my passion is, was my children. It still is, but it's, I was just going to you know, say, you better back that one up. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, you know, as they get older, they, you know, they don't want you around and well, you got you know, two boys, they right? Be their own. Right. Yeah. So that's, they, that's, that's, that's very normal. I've, I've told my right. wife that, uh, uh, I have a stepson and uh, he was very much that way with her. And I said, Hey, that's just being a guy. I mean, you really, yeah. you really don't want a guy that's close to his mama when he's 32. No, no. <laughs> not, I mean, it's great when they circle back, you know, as they mature right. and get older and then they, they redevelop that, uh, that, that relationship and uh then it's it's very uh it's a more of an adult relationship type thing and not a a a necessary nurturing thing so uh it's but it's hard for the it's hard for the ladies it's hard for the moms to uh to see that and and now we've got uh, she's got two girls that uh they're both adults but they're they're very much with mom and doing things with mom all the time so you know that was so that was your mistake for not having uh, uh, women not having uh, girls It's not my fault we didn't have girls. It's the guy's fault. See, this is the problem. My husband's fault. This is the problem with scientists and coming up with information where they put, yeah. they <laughs> they find out that it's the male's responsibility for the right. uh, selection of the uh, of the sex the of sex, the uh, children. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so uh, let's uh, let's get over to one of our quick Jeep tips. This is Steve four point three LXJ with a quick Jeep tip. Whenever your wife goes and replaces the bathroom towels, don't throw those towels out. They make great shop rags. And uh, in fact, they're probably one of the best shop rags you can ever have if you need something that's really absorbent. So uh, when she goes shopping for those new towels, for the new bathroom or for the remodel, snap those up and take them out to your shop. Tammy, do you, uh, you, you, Get, I don't think you probably, you may be starting to do shop rags, but do you do anything like that with uh, with old t-shirts and old shirts? No, I see all that old stuff. I usually just put in my um, donate pile for, you know, the charities. I'll just go to Home Depot and buy, you know, the shop rags. But I'm not in the shop that often, so it's, you know. Well, your ne- your Jeep is new. Wait for it to get about right, uh, 10 or 15 know. years old. <laughs> and then... And then things will change. Yes, things will change. Uh, And uh, if you guys were going, hey, isn't that a a quick Jeep tip from last week? Well, it certainly was. And thank you for not mentioning that. So uh, let's, (laughs) well, like I said, I had to restart the system. So I I think that it uh, it grabbed the the information that was on there. Yeah, from last week. So let's do one more. The the one I actually wanted to play tonight. 
This is Steve 4.3LXJ with a quick cheap tip. What do you do when you spill oil on the garage floor or on your shop floor? Makes a mess. You don't want to lay in it. Well, you go and get some kitty litter. The stuff is great. You put a little on the floor, let it sit there, and it'll actually not only soak up the puddle that's there, but it'll actually draw the oil out of concrete if you let it sit there for a day or two and you'll barely be able to notice that there's been a puddle of oil there and that works with both synthetic and paraffin based oils cool yep i've been okay. using the kitty litter for a while now am i missing something about laying in the oil i didn't know that that was a option well i don't know um, some people really like going out there and working on the jeep uh, not so much me I want to get done so I can go back to the fun part, which is driving it. And right. uh, one of the things that can happen is uh, you can uh, make a miscalculation or uh, something happens uh, that, that spills some, some fluid. It can be grease for the, uh, um, the uh, uh, tie rod ends or anything that's, you know, uh, an oily substance. And you may not take the time, if you're like me, to clean that up. So you wind up rolling around in it. And See, I was thinking rolling around in it for other reasons, but that might um, be another show. You mean like for, for skin, uh, cleansing the skin, making it softer, that type of thing? No, I'm, my mind's <laughs> in the gutter right now here. <laughs> I knew it was. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I knew it was. I was just trying to help out. So, uh, <laughs> so but uh, yeah, no. So I think that's what we do with the uh, with the kid litter. And it's it's great because, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to bash wives here, but the, the wife, uh, let's just say the spouse may come out and go, what the hell's with the oil? It's like, it's a garage. <laughs> come yeah, on. It's supposed to get dirty. <laughs> the kitty litter is also good for, you know, when you get stuck in the snow. Is it? That's interesting. Okay. That, that makes sense. Uh, I, I guess the actual uh, additional weight of carrying around the the kitty litter bag no, no, doesn't to, hurt to anything to, either. No, to take it take it out and put it underneath, um, like if it's icy, mm -hmm. to put it underneath your wheel to give you traction. No, I understood that part, but I even right. carrying oh. even carrying oh, yeah, it around would give yes. you some more weight in the back, right. uh, which is uh, yeah. probably more important for a pickup truck than it is for uh, right. for a jeep. But still, um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's get to our voicemails. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Hi, I'm Kevin Cox. And I'm Jesse Spencer. And we're the gurus that put the Volvo diff in an XJ. Yeah, we're on Listed Budget Videos. We just love that you guys actually uh, gave us a shout-out on the old podcast. And it was really cool to hear, uh, especially if you talked for about eight and a half minutes on it. Yep. So we feel pretty important. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for putting us out there, and pleasure doing business with you. Now, these are the guys from the Enlisted Budget video on YouTube and also to a member on xjtalk.com. And, and what they're talking about, this was a few shows back. I just happened to notice this uh, this message tonight and i felt really bad uh that uh, i had missed it so I, I wanted to get it on the show uh since they took the time to uh, to call in so basically what they did was they found uh that there was a way to get a uh a, a um not a locker uh not a not a, a true locker but uh, this is called a locker out of a volvo car and it would fit a dana 30 in a jeep with a very very minor modification, the I think it's the uh, driver's side axle is about an eighth of an inch too long for it to seat properly, so you you cut off about an eighth of an inch of that axle and everything fits in there perfectly. Who so knew? yeah, so you could have well there was rumors about it, but I don't think anybody had actually gone through the trouble of of actually doing it, and that's what these guys did. They went they found the locker and a Volvo, I think it was a turbo uh, Volvo, and uh, got it and stuck it in the front differential of uh the uh, their jeep cherokee and uh, works like a champ now it's not anything that you would want to use for rock crawling but then again it costs right. but then again it costs like less than 100 bucks and they and it does provide traction uh it's like a uh, not a selectable locker but uh um, like a lunchbox locker although it's not a lunchbox it, it's a full uh locker so it, it only engages um 
whenever the uh, it needs the additional traction like you give it uh give it gas so it, it works like a lunchbox locker in that in that respect so anyway they were calling in and uh, just uh, thanking uh, josh and i for talking about it on the show and uh we uh we sure appreciate it, it was one of one very interesting story uh, i mean how many how many times do you think that you'd find something that's in a car a foreign car <laughs> <laughs> that would fit in your jeep that yeah. would fit directly into your jeep was just just amazing so now let's get our uh, uh, weekly nikki g fix g yep hey this is nikki g and I, I didn't catch this week's podcast yet it's on my to-do list but i was just catching up on the, the 4x4 podcast and i heard an interview with tony on there and uh, i just want to say Anything, what I've learned anything from my many years of watching sitcoms, that crossovers don't work. It didn't work when Fonzie showed up on Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> it didn't work when Kramer showed up on Friends. It's uh, just crossovers just don't do it. What's next? We're going to see Josh on The View. All right, gentlemen, <laughs> I will uh, chat to you later. Have a good one. Bye. And you might see him on Dr. Oz, as sick as he is. But- but you know what, Mork, Mork worked on Happy Days. That crossover kind of worked, I thought. Um, Mork, Mork hmm. and Mindy. I'm trying to think. Uh, I kind of remember that. Uh, uh, was that was that actually before the Mork and Mindy show came out? Was he? He was. He was actually, on Happy Days you know, first, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, actually, he was on. I think he was on Happy Days first. You're correct. He kind of came in there for like a, a show or something. Right. And, uh, very and funny. That orange. Yeah, that jumpsuit. Jump, jumpsuit oh god yeah hey i was telling my wife the other day i still haven't forgiven robin williams for committing suicide he, no when you when you when you're that funny and you put yourself out in the public it's not just your life anymore so whenever you take it you take it away from the public and yep. and my wife says yep it's all about you isn't it and i said it is of course because <laughs> i'm not going to hear any more robin williams jokes it pisses me yeah. off so uh yeah really sad that that happened but man i just wish he had not uh not done that um, anyway, so let's get over to our some of our YouTube love. So every week we guys tell you about our YouTube subscribers. Sounds boring, right? Well, it's not because we have a lot of fun talking about it. <laughs> so we currently have uh, 780 subscribers and over 217,000 views. My okay. God. I can't imagine sitting there watching 217,000 shows. Videos of you, videos of yourself, of, right? Of, of me. me or any of those other videos that we have up yeah. there. Oh, and if you haven't gone over there to look at the uh, how to how to make how to uh, make a proper lane merge, you need to see that one. So anyway, our uh, first YouTube subscriber we want to mention is Joshua G. Martinez. And Larry Williams and Tyler Marion. Hey, quit grabbing names. Let's just go back uh-huh. and forth. And then Marcus Powell. So if you haven't taken the time to go over to youtube.com slash xjtalk, go over there now and subscribe. Well, after the show. Hey, folks. I'm Clyde, and this is Tommy. From the Pops Boys Horror House. You're listening to the XJ Talk Show with Tony and Josh. Cheers! You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. I'm having all kinds of fun tonight. I uh, I get one of these coughing fits. I try to mute my mic. The video I just put up doesn't start playing. I got to start playing that. I still got a cough. I still haven't hit the mute button yet. So I'm sitting here making a coughing face, <laughs> holding it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> then the video doesn't play. So anyway, fun tonight. So anyway, I'll tell you real quick about the 4x4 radio uh, network. It is a, a combination of podcasts, a 4x4 related podcast that you can go and uh, learn about the other shows. And uh, right now it consists of the XJ Talk Show and uh, the 4x4 podcast, uh, Dan Cole over there. And uh, we are actively looking for other 4x4 podcasts that uh, we will be adding to that um, website and Facebook page and so on and so forth. So Hopefully, we're going to be bringing you guys a lot more uh, 4x4 information, and not just on Jeeps, of course, uh, on all kinds of 4x4s, because, you know, uh, I, I know it's hard to believe, and, and I know this is blasphemy, but man does not live by Jeep alone. Uh, it's, 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 you know, just a statement of fact. Don't, don't hurt me. <laughs> so, 
So now it's time for a little Jeep fireside chat. Got to throw the Jeep in there to feel more Jeepy, uh, Tammy. Jeez, Tony, took you long enough to get here. I've been sitting here for about five minutes waiting for you. Well, then explain why the fire is not bigger than what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, I don't know. Uh, you got anything to, to talk, tell the, the folks about your Jeep? You always do. So I know you won't let uh. me down. It's filthy, nasty, dirty right now. And you know what? Every time I pick pictures up, everyone's like, oh, a Jeep's supposed to be dirty. But this is not a typical dirty. This is that nasty salt that they put on the roads because of the the snow. Um, And it's just, it's my black Jeep is turning white. And I'm, oh, it's just gross. That sounds very, that sounds very racist, racial, racial to me. I don't, I don't think I like it. No. Um. But the frustrating thing is that yeah, I can't really go get the car washed yet because it's still well, too cold. Well, that oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. And, yeah, and it's just going to get dirty again. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's supposed to snow this weekend, so they're just going to put more salt on the roads. And and weren't you complaining like on your your blog or, or Google Plus or something that uh, it's not enough snow to have fun with? It's just enough snow yeah. to get your get your vehicle dirty. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh. And by the time you get up, it's, you know, the sun's come up and because, you know, it hasn't been that cold here where the asphalt uh, asphalt is still a little warm, you know, it melts the snow and creates this water salty yuck. Oh, yeah. So. It's interesting. And the underside is all nasty. And it's funny because somebody um, posted on one of the sites on Google Plus pictures of his um, undercarriage because he was showing another fellow jeeper about how to install some rock sliders and he made a comment to me and he's like yeah just ignore all the rust from the the beach salt actually he's over in california so the beach salt is just as bad for your jeep as well i think it's it may be worse um well we know and your soft top we yeah i can imagine we we have a little bit I have a little bit of knowledge about salt in this area, at least from Galveston, because we're about 60 miles north from the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, you know, one of the fun things to do is to go down there and drive your vehicle through the surf. And, of course, it's horrible because it's salt water. And, yeah. and that gets up on in, up and in things and causes corrosion. And uh, it's just not, not very good. So, uh, I don't, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I would think that this ocean salt water would be worse than salted roads, but I don't know. I I don't know what else they did, they may do to that salt that make it makes it even more corrosive. There's some chemicals. Oh God, I forget what it is. Uh, I don't know, but there's chemicals in it too. On the roads, well, it's got the be. highways. I think are I think of the highway salt is different than the 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 salt that they put on the the city roads. Now, this, I'm not sure the snow isn't actually the issue with uh, as far as the reason why they do the salting. It's the ice, isn't it? Right. And then, like, sometimes if the plows don't get on the streets, the snow starts to compact, and it gets, you know, really smooth and icy, and it just, you know, as more cars drive on it, it gets uh, more compacted. Yeah, it makes it, turns it in from, uh, turns it from snow to ice. So, uh, is is that, I I guess everybody needs uh, some more traction, uh, whether you're driving a Jeep or not, uh, on ice. So, uh, you really couldn't get, uh, it would be dangerous for you to drive your Jeep around if there was no salt. I guess is what I'm getting to. Um, probably. It, well, if it became icy. Mm-hmm. If it was just still snow, it would be no problem. It's just when it starts to melt and um, when it refreezes at night and it turns to ice. So forgive my That's, stupidity about this. You can have snow and not have ice? Yes. Oh, interesting. See, I, I've lived all my life down here. I've seen snow four times and there was once an accumulation of five inches of snow and i wasn't driving at the time i I was driving a bicycle that's all the thing i had a license for see what happens is the snow starts to melt on the roads and you know then it refreezes because it gets colder at night um so that it gets icy or there's so many cars driving on the road it's just you know it's oh the heat from the tires and stuff would melt it right it's just slushing it up and then it freezes at night and it turns into this you know hard crusty icy snow i don't know how you people out there do it i actually (laughs) i don't mind it i just hate the cold i'd rather have if it's going to be cold let it snow but let it snow a lot where it's going to be worth it and fun to play in the snow so what's the most snow you've seen we were just talking about the 96 inches of snow they have in uh they they got up in boston Um, how much how much snow have you seen let's see 
Well, when I was growing up, tons of it. But here in my adult life in Maryland, I think it was four or five years ago. It was during um, Super Bowl weekend. We got two big snows and the snow was actually probably four feet. Oh, they cool. could the plows couldn't even get to our street. They had to bring in because um, <laughs> the snow was so high for the yeah. plows. They had to bring in you know what, whatever those dynamite. Yeah, they, 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 they yeah. exploded. They blew it all up. <laughs> yeah, but it was really cool because we had snow, you'd shovel a little bit on top, and then the snowblowers. My husband and the neighbor across the street. We had little paths from oh, all our cool. houses. I bet you the kids, so kids love that. A, yeah, yeah, they had a really good time. And then we started making a. Um, a sledding course in our front yard because we kind of have a little hill. So, but then the next, but in 2013, after I got my Sahara, we got a ton of snow too. And we had a big, my kids built a big, huge um, snow sledding hill. And uh, my Jeep just saw that hill and we started (laughs) driving. I have video of it. I should show it to you. And then my husband and I started driving in our yard in the Jeep. The neighbors were like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These people need to move into a, a, I know. a trailer park with a mobile home. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> They're like, you're going to tear up the grass. I'm like, no, we're not. There's like, you know, <laughs> there's like three feet of snow in our yard. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun well that's the thing too and it's kind of what i was talking about at the front people people have these these uh, preconceived notions about things and and then when you learn otherwise like food jumping out of a window into uh, 96 inches of snow you learn a little something you don't have a preconceived notion anymore you've got a jeep you can drive around places that other people can't drive in and and probably at angles that people would not feel comfortable driving at because they would be right. f- fearful of flipping over and as i'm sure you were which is kind of the fun part of it but right. um you know it's this and then and then these people that have these preconceived notions and, and no uh, actual experience start making uh, statements like don't do that well i think the boston mayor uh should have jumped out of a window into the snow and then told everybody not to do it i think then it would have been go. more believable <laughs> yeah I know that's you don't do that with the kids either. Don't do this. Yeah. I'm gonna show you what to do, but don't do this. And this doesn't never. You're work. such a dad. <laughs> it never works. <laughs> and you get these really wicked stares from the uh, from the spouse. Too. So yeah, don't, don't do that. Well, let's see. What have I got to report? I got nothing to report. Uh, my Jeep's been running fine. Uh, I haven't popped a freeze plug. Well, it is running a little warm on those days that it's above. Uh, uh, when it gets into the 70s here, uh, don't shoot oh, me. I'm in the gosh. I'm in Southeast Texas. It does warm up here even during uh, January and February. Um, so uh, I don't know if that's just going to be the the norm for it. Uh, I still need to replace the uh, thermostat um, and uh, see if that makes a difference. But uh, yeah, the other day it got up to like 235 uh, coming home. I may actually be changing the gears, the differential gears. I currently have 456 gears. Uh, in my uh, front and rear diff. And talking to Matt Smorenberg, he really thinks that the reason why it's uh, the, the heat's going up is because I'm usually driving 75, 80 miles an hour, which I'm turning around 3,000 RPM with those 456 gears and the 33-inch tires. So um, he, he, seems, he sees the same type of running warm issue with his, but he runs uh, 410s, which is really the gear, the proper gear, with the automatic transmission to run for 33 inch tires. Now, if I was going to go to 35 inch tires, my 456s would be perfect. I, I so I so hate getting rid of my 456s because uh, it, when I'm driving it on the street and the light changes uh, green, it doesn't take much pedal to make that thing go and and go quick. Now, it'll only do about 85 miles an hour, but it'll get there pretty fast. So, so would you go to smaller? I'm sorry. Sm- would you go to smaller? years is that um or would it the ratio the ratio would be the ratio uh, would go down the ratio actually uh yes it would be numerically smaller uh yes so uh basically uh what is it it's uh uh four four turns to 10 revolutions uh Mm -hmm. something like that i don't know anyway uh the uh it came with uh 355 gears and that was made it really hard for overpasses on the on the freeway. I actually have to kick down into passing gear to uh, get up and over uh, overpasses at times, and that's not fun to drive uh, drive that way. the uh, The RPMs are really low, like 
2,000 or 2,200 RPM at 80 miles an hour, but that's just it's not in the pro- the proper power curve. But um, and the 456 gears are wonderful off road. I mean, it's really easy to drive up and over things. Uh, and uh, but if well, uh, Matt suggested that I drive 65 miles an hour, and it probably would take care of itself. But I have a hard time driving 65 miles an hour. <laughs> well, what is the speed limit there? 106. No, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> it's uh, the, the the highway that I drive on is uh, 60 miles per hour. But, okay. But we're in Texas, and we have a lot of guns, right. and, and you will get shot if you drive 60 you miles an hour on right. it. Yeah. So uh, I routinely, uh, allegedly routinely drive uh 70 75 on that on that freeway mm. and um i don't get past but there's people right on me so <laughs> and isn't that scary no nah, nah, not at all uh, see i'm not into speed i guess that's like why i like rock crawling i went to i moved to trucks uh years back because uh the uh driving the the nova with a 327 and the the large tires and traction bars and all the rest of that crap uh, I have no problem with speed. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, you know, of course the mindset is, is that, you know, you're, you're uh, indestructible. So my, my thought process was I need to move out of, of, uh, low vehicles, low fast vehicles, because somebody else is going to get killed. <laughs> Not me, but somebody else will. So I don't want to mm-hmm. be responsible for that. So I got into trucks and figured that that would be uh, a little easier for me not to, to drive fast, but I can drive a right. truck. I can drive a truck pretty fast too. So. <laughs> Fortunately, no, the Jeep only does 85 now, but I have had it up over 100 before. Just not speed scares me. Even when you're in control of it, I, I can see as a passenger. Uh, actually, I have seen that with passengers being scared while I was driving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I can't do either. I I I don't know. It just it it goes back to that superstitious worry thing. Uh, I'm sure I've told it here before. Maybe some of the, some of the folks haven't hasn't heard it. I will I'll mention it briefly. Uh, I uh, uh, the wife and I were out looking at Dodge Durangos. It was around 2000 2001, and uh, I thought a Dodge Durango might be a really cool vehicle for her for her to drive around in. So we stopped by a local dealership and uh, went to test drive one. We test drove it, and um, uh, I think there was a. Um, I think there was a uh, an off-road vehicle or something that I saw, and, and I made the comment, now now there's a vehicle. And the guy says, oh, I, I have a, a, a four-wheel drive truck. And I said, oh, cool. And it was a Dodge, uh, like a Dodge Power Wagon or something. So he, he told us to just to, to drive when we got back to the, the dealership, just to drive in the back because he wanted to show it to me. And as we're driving back there, they behind the fence that you couldn't see through, they had all these Dodge Vipers, brand new Dodge Vipers, wow. lined up, you know, side by side. And as we're just, you know, um, plodding, plodding through, going to the back of the lot where his his truck was, I went, "Now that is a sports car." And mm-hmm. and the and the guy says, "Want to test drive one?" <laughs> Your wife's like, "No." And I said, I looked at him and I said, "I'm not gonna buy one." <laughs> he goes, uh-huh. he says, "Well, I haven't had, it, I haven't ridden in one yet." So if you want to test drive it, then I can ride in hint, one. Hint, wink, wink. Yeah, it, we can. You know, you can. I can. Uh, you can give me a ride in one, and then you know, we both. I had never been at a, at a Viper before, so I asked him. I sat down. I uh, I sat down in the Viper. Actually, more of a laid down in the Viper, and uh, <laughs> I said, "I'm looking at this thing. I have no idea how much it costs." So I asked him, which was my first mistake, "How much is this thing?" He says, eighty thousand dollars." And $80,000, you know, it may may not be such a big deal in in 2015, but in 2000, that was a very, very expensive uh, vehicle. The the stereo alone was five grand. And uh, so it's a two-person vehicle, so my wife couldn't come along, which she was very happy about because she knows me. And we're we're getting ready to pull out onto the I-10 feeder, and I kind of get a case of the nerves. I don't irregardless of this thing belonging to somebody else i'm driving it i'm in control anything happens to it i'm going to be responsible at least through my insurance uh and this would be a good situation and i sat there and i i I, I just i mean i I was going to drive it but i just was a little concerned and not really going to be very happy i thought you know thinking worrying about this eighty thousand dollar vehicle and then i remembered just uh um oh gosh i guess at that point it was 20 years earlier 
I was flying, learning how to fly, and I was flying uh, airplanes that were in excess of $100,000. So Jeez. what's an $80,000 car? Whoop-de-doo. So I changed my mindset, <laughs> hit, the, hit the, the clutch or pushed the clutch in, hit the gas, let the clutch out, and went on down the road. So the, uh, the, the sales guy tells me this, and I still can't believe this. He goes, I want to go fast. <laughs> oh, jeez. You drive it then. <laughs> no, no. I have no problem. Well, that's he, what I would have said. Was, Here's he, the keys. He was talking to the wrong person. So anyway, yeah. we, uh, we made a little UE about uh, three miles down the road uh, on the, uh, the ITN feeder. And, uh, uh, and I've driven fast before, so I, I wanted to make sure there was lots of room between me and any vehicle. So uh, I sat there on the side of the road waiting, waiting for the vehicles. And the guy goes, well, let's go. I said, just a second. <laughs> and this, uh, this Mustang passes, and I wanted to get it, for it to get down the road a little bit. And it got down the road a little bit. I pulled out, and uh, I didn't want uh, to spin tires. Uh, but I did want to, you know, raise the RPMs enough to get a good launch. And I was very impressed at how well that thing hooked up. Uh, it did not, did not break the tires and it was like a rocket. Anyway, in second gear, I was, uh, up to 130 miles an hour. The guy was saying, okay, slow down. <laughs> and that Mustang that had been very, very far down the road, I was rapidly approaching. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, that my timing my timing was impeccable. Uh, we did not hit the Mustang. And also, too, I did not have to slow down because of it uh, It poking along uh, at 50 miles an hour. Right. So, if, yeah, if anyway. I'm never to test drive a Viper with you. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Oh, you would you would have a blast. If you can drive up and over things at, at weird yeah, angles and stuff. That's true. You know, it's, it's, it's like a drug. Going fast and seeing things, especially, and I know you shouldn't be doing this, but especially looking in the rearview mirror and watching the whole world just just fade and get small because you're rocketing off Going so fast right yeah, it's it's a lot of fun until you hit somebody so uh and then not so much anyway uh lots of fun uh i always tell that story and uh, oh uh, i had the jeep at the time had the cherokee at the time it wasn't lifted or anything and uh when i got back in that jeep uh to drive home oh my god it was just so anemic there was no power it was just like pressing on the the gas going what's happening is the motor even in there oh yeah you know horsepower is an addiction too so once you get that horsepower and get used to it it's just it's 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 wonderful you can pass people on uh exits because <laughs> they they're going too slow just get in the little exit and whip whip around Your poor, them poor poor wife well yes for that, that reason and many more <laughs> All right, so let's get our next Jeep tip. Jeep tip, and actually, I think I've got the one from uh, from this week. This is Steve, four point three LXJ, with a quick Jeep tip. If you're going out wheeling, nothing is more discouraging than if you get a fire under the hood, <laughs> because if you don't put it out, all you're going to end up with is a unibody and a couple of seat frames afterwards. So carry a fire extinguisher with you, and don't put it back someplace where you can't get it. It needs to go where you access the Jeep at the driver's door so that when you get out, you can grab that fire extinguisher on the way and put out an under-the-hood fire or any other kind of fire that might threaten your XJ. A few bucks for a red cylinder with a handle on it will save you a lot of grief. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Tammy, do you have a fire extinguisher in your, in your Jeep? Um, not yet. <laughs> well, uh, you know, good intentions, uh, are, are on my list. Yeah. Good intentions are always, uh, are always just that I bought three of those, uh, kitty, uh, and when I say kitty, I don't mean like a cat, but they're, the, the brand is K I D D I fire extinguishers. They're not huge. Uh, they're nice, a nice size that you often see on the, uh, the, uh, the roll bar, the roll cage of a, a right. Wrangler. And uh, I bought three of those because I wanted uh, uh, one for my uh, my girls, uh, the Jeep that my girls drive, the the Wrangler that my wife drives, and uh, I was actually going to put one in mine. But we uh, we recently purchased another vehicle, so 
uh, the girls will be driving a, a, a Honda and uh, the 99 Cherokee. So they'll probably get that fire extinguisher. Anyway, I got a, I got an email from Amazon telling me that there's been a recall on those uh, fire extinguishers potentially i have oh, to no. check i have to check the codes on them but right. the the little plastic thing at the top that allows you to eject the contents of the cylinder right. don't work well, <laughs> so that's kind yikes. of a yeah that's kind of a bad thing right. i would think for a fire extinguisher i guess you could beat the fire extinguisher to death uh, with the uh, with the, the metal cylinder right well i know when um they came out with that recall was it was just a couple months it was right before i bought my rubicon where the the mirrors was it the mirrors the electric mirrors were catching fire or <laughs> well that's a value add <laughs> yeah anyway something anyway that's why I, like oh I better get you know a fire extinguisher but um, I traded in my Sahara so I didn't have to worry about it so was it it was it a heated mirror issue or uh, was it because they actually would move around I you know Tony to be honest with you I cannot remember I remember something with the mirrors and fires and. I don't know if the two were related, if there's two different things. I'd have to well, go back and look. It, it's not your problem now. It's somebody else's no, problem. No, that's why I don't care. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, talking about that Sahara, have they sold it yet? Are you still, I don't know if you drive by there very often to where you, where you no, actually No, actually, see it. it's, I can't really drive. It's kind of out of my way. Um, oh, okay. But I can go online and look. And God, I checked a couple of weeks ago and it was still for sale. Oh, of course. If they're but, trying to get more for it than what you paid for it. Oh. $36,995. Well, God bless them. <laughs> you Good know, if, if you can, if you can get that, then, uh, then yep. more power to you. How many miles did that thing have on it when you traded it in? Do you recall? Was it 15,000? I think. Oh, that's low miles. So yeah, I can yeah. see, I can see where they're trying to get the, the best they can for that. But yeah. I don't know. 36,000 sounds like a lot for something that, uh, uh, right. has, uh, just, well, I, I think I told you that uh, I was listening to, uh, I think it's Off-Road Independence. Uh, no, it was another podcast that I was listening to, and, and the guy uh, decided that he was going to go ahead and get a Rubicon uh, because mm-hmm. he was looking at the pricing of, uh, of the axles and the, uh, the, the transfer case and all the rest of that crap that you could get in the Rubicon, uh, and right. you, you just basically have to pay, the, you know, pay for it for five years instead of uh, getting something uh, and paying for it up front. And uh, he got his for thirty five thousand dollars, and I I was a little surprised that you wow. could get a yeah I was a little surprised you could get a Rubicon wow. for thirty five thousand dollars. Well, was it a you know a four doors and two doors are different, and I, depending on it you may know, have was been a two door. No, it was right. brand was new. It? No, it was brand was new. It? Yeah, uh, but wow. so I was a little surprised because I thought even though thirty five thousand dollars is a lot to spend for a vehicle in in my book. Uh, you know, to get the uh, the uh, the lockers the and yep. the lockers and the Dana forty four axles and and really, I don't think there's anything you have to do to a Rubicon except maybe lift it and put some larger tires on it. And uh, of course, the sliders is a good idea. Uh, right, and you may not even have to do that depending on you know your off roading needs. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I have a big rocker, a big dent in my rocker panel that I had to pull out because I went off roading and didn't have sliders. So, uh, it, to me, oh, well, that no, I meant the lift and the bigger tires, but I, the sliders, uh, yes. I don't know. I think uh, I think you got to do that. I think you got to do the lift and the and the larger tires just to get the the additional ground clearance. Right. And the chicks dig it. They 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 want to well, see that lifted vehicle. I'm not looking for some <laughs> chicks, so. but. I figured some you, of the guys might dig it. I figured you'd enjoy that reference. Yeah. So, uh, well, Tammy, it looks like you're back on deck. We're going to do a little Wrangler talk. What are you going to talk to the people about tonight? Actually, we were just what we were just talking about kind of slides right into um, what I wanted to talk about, and just know that I'm not an expert on all things Jeep or Jeep modifications. You know, I'm still learning, and I have a lot to learn. Um, I don't have a whole lot of background knowledge in auto mechanics, and um, just recently they were talking about stabilizer bars, and I'm like, what the heck's a stabilizer bar? You know, so I'm looking all this stuff up on Google, but I came across this article that I found very interesting. It was on Four Wheeler Network. Um, their editors got together to give their opinions on which is better for you, a Rubicon versus a non-Rubicon Wrangler. Um but there's so many things you need to take into consideration when you, you know, buy a Jeep and when you upgrade or when you're looking to buy um, a, a Jeep for the first time. And every individual needs to realize that not every Jeep, not every Rubicon is for you. Not a, a sport isn't for everyone. A 
you know, Sahara isn't for everyone. And it's up to you to do the research and to know what you want to do with your Jeep. Um, and that's why Jeep makes so many different Jeeps. And thank goodness we all don't want and like the same Jeeps because uh, I can't even imagine if everybody had a Rubicon lifted and were waiting in line at Roush Creek. It would be like, you know, Disney World gone mad. Um, but for me, after reading this article, I felt so much more relief because it was a big struggle for me buying the Rubicon because I was like, God, is this really the right vehicle for me? And actually reading this article, I found out, you know, the Rubicon was right for me. You know, at first I just wanted a topless daily driver. Um, and then I became interested in, um, off-roading. And so I started doing some moderate off rock crawling and reading this article it said that that's the perfect vehicle for me um the rubicon is an off-road capable vehicle and the rubicon makes sense for somebody who mostly wants to do rock crawling moderate rock crawling the stock rubicon and other slow crawling trails the rubicon package boasts the stronger transfer case with lower um, low range and front and rear Dana 44s. It has the factory loaded. It's factory loaded with locking differentials and low gears, which is really good for rock crawling. Um, it also adds some extra rock protection and it has the off-road oriented mud terrain tires, which I love. I love listening to them flop on the roads. Um, some features that could be a hindrance if you're doing different types of off-roading, this vehicle has. And what you need to figure out is what kind of off-roading you're going to do. Because these editors say that, you know, just mud, sand, gravel roads um, may not be, you may not want the Rubicon for this. Um, in some situations, these lower gears and the TKs and the axles can be limiting. And the factory tires may not be what you want or need. And also, the new Wrangler with these features comparatively to like a sport, it's like $6,000 more for these features. And if you're going to be doing a lot of upgrading, if you're going to switch out and get bigger axles or if you're going to get bigger tires and you're going to have to change stuff underneath, you're kind of throwing away this $6,000 with the Rubicon. So if you're going to do a lot of upgrading and do different kinds of um, changes to the Jeep, you would be better off doing... Um, like the sport or an, you know an, another um, Wrangler. So you need to look into what you're going to do and how you're going to build your Jeep because the Rubicon is not for everyone and it's not for all off-roading situations. These editors also say that the non-Rubicons make for better all-around 4x4s. Um, so I did a blog with um, this article linking to this article and I also asked everyone what Jeep do you drive and why do you drive it and I asked for people's opinions and I just wanted to share Edgar says his choice is the TJ because of the rough four liter straight six engine I actually do not know what that means because I haven't gotten into engines yet but he also likes the TJ because it doesn't have ne unnecessary electronic toys and his TJ is his honest friend Ron has a had a 13 2013 Patriot and he just upgraded to the trail rated 2015 Patriot and he likes the Patriot because it's an old school four wheel drive Jeep that is perfect for the terrain and environment he lives in and it allows him to haul passengers and loads and it doesn't cost him an arm and a leg to have a Jeep and the Patriot has Jeep values incorporated in a package that many are still buying. Check out the sales numbers and awards Patriot has won. And he says, hopefully the Renegade and the Patriot Compass replacement can fare as well as the Patriot has done during its time. Um, and then Jeremy is looking into the Wheelies Wheeler. And when you look into these specialty Jeeps, I suggest you really look at what their packages are because they're all different and they all have different things. Um, Jim had a 2010 Wrangler Sahara, which he traded in six months ago, just like I did. But he got the 2014 Cherokee Trailhawk. It's a little different, but he thinks it's a great vehicle, and it gets him through those awful New England winters. 
and it's great and it works just as good as the Wrangler. And so far, he loves his Trailhawk. And I just wonder if Jim is jumping out of his windows up there in New England. Anyway, the point of this is, you know, don't listen to everybody and say, oh, you need to get this or you need to get that. I think you need to do your own research and figure out what kind of Jeep you want and not every Jeep is for every person and for every situation. And don't forget to check me out at www.jeepmama.com. That's my blog. And there's a link to this article, which I think is a really good read because they get more into um, the axles and what's good for what and just all the different modifications you can do. And I'm also on Google+. Plus. I'm on Instagram. Um, Gosh, Jeep underscore Mama. I'm on Twitter at Mama Jeep. And I'm on Facebook. And I have some YouTube videos. Well, great, Tammy. We sure appreciate all that uh, good information. I can tell you real quick that the Jeep 4.0 liter straight six is the workhorse uh, of uh, a lot of Jeep. Uh, A lot of Jeeps, I don't, it goes back to the, well, I know it goes all the way back to 1984. It's a like a 40-year-old design. It has a lot of torque, uh, not, so, not so much horsepower, but a lot of torque. So it's really good for, uh, you know, getting the vehicle moving up and over things. And uh, it is known as a bulletproof engine that you can do pretty much anything in the world you want to do to it. In fact, <clears throat> it's been a while since they did uh, the cash for clunkers thing. But there are a few videos on uh, on YouTube where mm-hmm. um, they were uh, basically uh, destroying Jeep 4.0 engines for the cash wow. for clunker, clunkers program. And they would drain the oil, drain the water, and start up the 4.0 uh, and, and run it at top RPM for minutes before it would fail. It would have to heat up, and so it would continue going without oil and water and generating lots of heat at you know 5,000 RPM for minutes and minutes and minutes before it would stop running. So um, it, it, it is just a, 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 a big workhorse of the Jeep, uh, both Wrangler, Cherokees, uh, YJs, TJs, uh, and, uh, uh, well, not the, not the JKs, JKs, they changed the engine. They went to a, uh, yeah, a minivan points, engine, right? 3.6. Yeah. Literally was the same Head engine. Star, they yeah. used. Yeah. Literally was the same engine they used in the minivans and it was underpowered for, for that vehicle, especially with a frame. The frame makes it a heavy vehicle, much heavier than a unibody, which yeah, is, I hear a lot of people saying, Oh God, why didn't they just leave that in, in the JKs right. at four points? Well, of course they didn't because the best you could do from a 4.0 is 20 miles per gallon. Yeah, well, that's I'm getting 17 in town right now. <laughs> Shh. I don't want the EPA to know. <laughs> I know. So anyway, that's uh that that's a little a little synopsis on the 4.0. It, uh, there's a lot of people that love it because it uh, it gets them into and out of things uh, on a regular basis and uh was the main reason why whenever uh, I went looking for a TJ uh, for my wife, it was going to be a, a 4.0 uh, liter engine and, uh, and and certainly not the, the 2.5 four-cylinder that also came in those right. vehicles because those things are crap. There's people that have them and they're successful, but you know if you can have something that is a, um, what do you call it, a legend of an engine or you can right. have something that isn't, you know, get the one that's the legend and you're probably right. going to be more successful. And, and it's been running great. I, I do need to do a tune up on it. I keep forgetting, but, um, that's enough of that. Oh, and I'll just say, I don't know that the Patriot actually comes in a four wheel drive model. Um, I never did pay much attention to them because yeah. in, in my, in my opinion, it's one of another one of those vehicles. That's not really uh, what I consider a Jeep. If it's not a solid axle, it ain't a Jeep. Well, I think Ron would um, probably disagree with you. Well, Ron needs to follow he's me somewhere av- on the trail. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an avid Patriot lover. That's fine, and that's great. And yep. uh, and and it's just like the new Cherokee and the, the Renegade that's coming out. Uh, that's fine if you like it. I just wish they would call it Fiat and call it something else other than you know one of the old Jeep names. I mean, you can you can well imagine if if uh, Jeep comes out with something in twenty years. That they that looks like 
nothing that you knew and loved as a Wrangler, but they call it a Wrangler and say it's a great off-road vehicle, but all your 20 years of off-road experience and experience with that vehicle, and you look at that and you go, are you kidding me? Nobody's going to believe that. And then people believe it and they buy a lot of them and you go, oh my God, you people are so stupid (laughs) simply because you have the knowledge and experience that they don't. And And you feel like you should scream at them and say, pay attention. You're, you're being sold a bag of lies. So that's kind of where I am with, uh, with this, this thing about Jeep. And I know it just sounds like, it just sounds like an old guy saying, get off my lawn, but I'm going to keep doing it. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our show. Hope you enjoyed a bit of a Josh break. We're going to work on a Tony break for you uh, real soon. And I think I'm just going to get uh, Tammy and Josh to do a show. And I'm going to sit here and watch. Just work the board. There you go. <laughs> we'll put some duct tape over your mouth. I can I I can mute I can say nothing for a very very long time. In uh-huh. fact, uh, I've been married for over twenty years, and I hardly have said a thing until recently when there I started the podcast. So uh, there's that old joke again. So you guys need to follow us on uh, the Facebook, the Twitter, as you kids like to call it. You can hashtag us at uh, XJ Talk Show. Uh, you can uh, send us messages directly at, uh, at the at sign XJ Talk. Uh, and uh, come over to our Facebook uh, page, which is uh, facebook.com slash xjtalk.page. You know, we have over 2,000 subscribers now, Tammy. Uh, we were just at 14. Wow. Yeah, we were just at 1,400 uh, uh, a week or so ago. Uh, wow. we've, we've added another 300. Uh, uh, what do you call them when they like the page? Likers? We've, we've, we've added over 300 likers to the, <laughs> to the, the, the thing now. Uh. You need to get up on the social media l- lingo here. Oh yeah, well I know how the to post. Twitter, I know how to likers. post things. What is yeah. it? Likers? Yeah. No, it's not. Because I thought you said uh, bikers. I was like bikers. No, that, no. Didn't make, that didn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah I uh, actually speaking of uh, Twitter, I posted something up today that I thought was funny. Uh, Al Gore recently visited a wax museum, and over five people stopped to take selfies with him. And one lady actually fainted when Al Gore moved. So, because oh <laughs> <laughs> it's a wax museum and Al right. doesn't move much. So anyway, uh, a lot of people like that joke. I think it was like three. So that's a lot on the Twitter and the twenty-verse. So Tammy, where can people find you? They can find you more than just here. Yep, uh, they can find me on my blog www.jeepmama.com. I'm on Instagram um, Jeep underscore Mama. I'm on the Twitter at. <laughs> Um, what is it? Mama at Mama Jeep. Um, YouTube. I'm the, just find the Jeep Mama and Google Plus. I'm Tammy Jeep Mama on Google Plus. I think that's it. This so, so you're going to be doing how often do you do Facebook. your blog? How, yeah, how often do you do your blog entries? Is it weekly or just when the mood strikes uh, you? When the mood strikes me couple times a week i try oh that's great so there's always yeah. something going on over there at the blog so uh yeah, yeah make sure you catch her catch her over there and we'll catch you next week uh you guys have a great jeep week